What is Easter like in Europe? What is Holy Week? What are religious ways that Christians celebrate Easter? What is the Holy Fire as it's known to Orthodox Christians? What are unique non-religious ways that people celebrate Easter? We'll learn the answers to these questions and more in today's episode on global Easter traditions focusing on Europe. Welcome to Wiser World, a podcast for busy people who need a refresher on all things world. Here we explore different regions of the globe, giving you the facts and context you need to think historically about current events. I truly believe that the more we learn about the world, the more we embrace our shared humanity. I'm your host, Allie Roper. Thanks for being here. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello. First off, I want to apologize for my croaky voice. I have laryngitis and today's the only day I can record, so I'm going to do my best to try to not sound like a frog. That being said, when I started working on this episode, my goal was to do a global tour of traditions for Easter, and I started my research in Europe, and I took so many notes that just Europe alone filled up its own episode. So this means that I will be doing Easter tradition episodes for years to come, covering all the different continents for years because every place has its own unique traditions and I'm so excited to learn more about them. So just tune in over the years. We'll cover Easter in other areas of the world. But today we're just going to cover some traditions in Europe. And obviously I cannot cover every country in Europe in such a short amount of time, but I hope to give you a taste of what it's like so that you can look into specific European countries as questions come to your mind. Before I launch in, I want to briefly explain Easter just like I did for the Ramadan episode. Easter is one of the most important days of the year for Christians all over the world. The root of the word Christian is Christ, short for Jesus Christ. So a Christian is a believer or follower of Jesus Christ. There are many, many denominations of Christians with various interpretations of what Jesus taught, but the majority of Christians believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who came to earth as a human over 2,000 years ago. And while on earth in a mortal body, he traveled around what is now mostly modern-day Israel, and he had a ministry that was written about in the New Testament of the Bible, primarily in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he died by crucifixion in Jerusalem, and on the third day after his death and burial, Christians believe he conquered death and was resurrected. Resurrection is another word for becoming alive after being dead. The day of his crucifixion is often called Good Friday, and the day of his resurrection is called Easter. So for the majority of Christians, Easter is a holiday that celebrates Jesus Christ overcoming and conquering death which is fitting for a spring holiday. The symbol of winter's death is overcome by the rebirth of spring, right? For most Christians, Easter is typically held on the first Sunday after the full moon that occurs on or after the spring equinox. This year in 2023, Easter is going to be April 9th. For Orthodox Christians, Easter is celebrated on the Sunday after the first full moon after the Jewish Passover. 
which this year is April 16th. So the days are different for Orthodox Christians. Easter is the last day of something called Holy Week, or the week before Easter, which commemorates the last week of Jesus's life, including his betrayal, death, and burial. And then Easter, with the resurrection, is the culminating celebration to end it all. Easter is celebrated in a wide variety of ways, some highly religious, others less so. So let's start with the religious ways. In Europe, it is common for Christians to go to church or mass on Easter Sunday, sometimes at midnight, depending on the denomination. Many Christians who don't attend church regularly do come to a service on Easter, so it's common for congregation sizes to grow that day. Christian churches hold special services for Easter, and each denomination does it differently. The week before Easter, like I talked about, it's called Holy Week, and some countries have traditions for the whole week. During Holy Week in Spain, for example, where the Catholic Church is very popular, some cities have processions daily to show the last week of Jesus' life in a parade of sorts. Sevilla or Seville is a city that is very famous for, for this. It has different fraternities who make floats that carry statues of Christ and the Virgin Mary and other depictions of Christ last week through the streets. And they often have lit candles all over these floats as well, and boys carry them on their backs for miles. The floats are very intricate, and the pageantry and passion that goes into these processions, especially on the day that Jesus died, it's pretty incredible. I have linked a video for you in my show notes so that you can see this. These parades are often common in Italy and Greece as well, although different from Spain, with statues of Jesus being carried through the streets. In some places in Greece, they will light fireworks and burn an effigy of Judas, who was one of Jesus's disciples that betrayed him to the Romans before his crucifixion. Now, for Orthodox Christians, they have a unique tradition called the Holy Fire. And in the city of Jerusalem, there is a very important church called the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. And in it, there is a place where many Christians believe lies the tomb of Jesus Christ, which is encased in a shrine. Now, according to tradition, on Holy Saturday, the day before Easter, the Greek patriarch of Jerusalem goes into this empty shrine within the Holy Sepulchre that surrounds the tomb and receives what is called the Holy Fire. Now, according to believers, this is a miracle fire that appears on this day each year in this location, a bluish fire that appears from a marble slab that covers the stone that is said to be where Jesus was buried. The patriarch receives this holy fire and then lights 33 bundles of candles for the 33 years of Christ's life and brings them out. And then this fire is passed on from lit candle to unlit candle and lights up the whole church. And then this holy fire is taken in lanterns by car to nearby countries and other nearby churches. And then it's often taken in pressurized cabins and aircraft to all over the world to be passed on to other Orthodox Christians who are waiting for the holy fire in their respective countries. And believers say that this fire doesn't burn them. Then in each country, there are different services to spread the holy fire. In Greece, the service begins late at night with crowds holding candles outside of a church to hear the priest announce at midnight that Christ is risen in a chant. Then taking the holy fire that has been brought from Jerusalem, the candles are lit from person to person. Firecrackers are lit as well. 
very unique and powerful tradition for Easter that dates back to the 300s AD. So it's extremely, extremely old. Now let's go over to Ukraine. The traditions start many days before Easter and can go on for a couple of days after. They have something called Pascha bread. It's a very beautiful, ornate bread. And on Saturday before Easter or on Easter morning, some believers take their Pascha bread and food to the church to be blessed, and then they take it and eat it for breakfast. On Easter and the days after, they greet each other by saying, Christ is risen. And then the person responds by saying, in truth, he is risen. This is also done in Russia with slightly different words, but it's a saying, it's a way to greet each other in these countries on Easter and afterward. In most European countries, Easter usually involves going to church or mass, and then families or friends get together to have a feast. Lamb, sometimes cooked on a spit, is really common in France and Italy since Jesus Christ was called the Lamb of God. Uh, Brits like ham, the Danes like herring. Some Greeks cook a goat or a lamb, slow roasting it for hours and hours. Braided bread is really popular. Easter looks different in each country and town, but having a special meal is an important part of the day. And if you're interested in a particular European country, you really should look up the Easter food because it's also unique. Now, from a secular or non-religious standpoint, eggs are a big part of Easter in Europe just as they are here in the United States. Decorating eggs is a very old tradition. It dates back to the 13th century in Europe. Some say that at one point eggs were forbidden during Lent, which is the season of fasting before Easter that we talked about in the Carnival episodes. And so people would decorate these eggs to be eaten at Easter as a special treat after Lent. Eggs are a symbol of new life and rebirth. Some say that the egg was used for pagan spring festivals and was then adopted by Christianity into the Easter holiday as a symbol of Jesus's resurrection and new life. But no matter its origin, having Easter egg hunts or sometimes filling plastic eggs with candy for the kids or hiding real hard-boiled eggs that are painted or decorated or dyed, it's very common throughout Europe. In Eastern Europe, especially Ukraine, Slovenia, Lithuania, Belarus, Poland, Bulgaria, they have a tradition of hand-painted eggs that are made during the Easter season. They are so ornate and beautiful and detailed, and they are called pisinki or pisanki. They're spelled P-Y-S-A-N-K-Y. I have a link for you to see them in my show notes because they are amazing. Many families in these areas, especially in remote areas, also dye their own eggs. They take leaves from the garden, they press them to the egg with gauze, and then they boil them in onion skins. And they turn a dark, dark red, symbolic of Jesus Christ's blood. And then the gauze is removed and the white outline of the leaf is shown. And red is a very common color to dye Easter eggs all over Europe, especially in Greece. They will only dye the eggs red. But decorating Easter eggs, doing unique decorations and paints and chisels and all of that is a folk art that is very highly valued in many areas in Europe. Chocolate eggs are also common in Italy. Sometimes people will go to chocolate shops and they'll have gifts placed inside of large hollow chocolate eggs for their loved ones to open. And during Holy Week, again, that week leading up to Easter, it's common for families in Sweden to paint eggs and also decorate birch twigs with feathers. In Germany, it is common for families to decorate a tree or a bush with hanging eggs. This is called Ostereierbaum. And in some countries like the United Kingdom, Denmark, Germany, and the Netherlands, they have a tradition of an Easter bunny or an Easter hare that leaves treats for the kids. 
This is also very common in the United States. This tradition is non-biblical. There's nothing about an Easter bunny in the Bible, so it likely comes from pagan spring traditions. However, the theme is giving gifts to children. And in France, there is no Easter bunny, but instead something called the flying bells. And these are said to magically fly to the Pope, where they drop off everyone's misery over Christ's crucifixion. And then they return on Easter morning with joy and chocolate and eggs. And kids wake to find eggs in their bedrooms and outside. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What's something you learned in history class that you feel wasn't the whole truth? Better yet, what's something you didn't learn at all that was omitted completely? That's what I like to call redacted history. I believe that all history, no matter how good or bad, needs to be told. There are wars, massacres, battles, and entire historical events that are just not in our school's history books. Have you ever heard of Mary Bowser? I didn't think so. My name is Andre White, the host of the Redacted History Podcast the place where history's forgotten events, heroes, and villains get their story told, one episode at a time. So come huddle around the campfire with me and get ready to hear the stories that you were robbed of. And get comfortable. We're going to be here a while. The Redacted History Podcast. Real history never dies. Stream the Redacted History Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. So lots of unique and fun and interesting traditions for celebrating Easter throughout Europe. But I think I've saved what might be the most unique tradition for last. Our good friends here in California recently moved here from Slovakia. And I'm so excited because Misha agreed to come on the show and tell us a little bit about that tradition. So here's my interview with him. Okay, Miso, I want you to explain to us this Slovakian Easter tradition. So, so uh, our tradition is, is, is very specific, but it, it really takes for, for a long time to even get prepared. So it's not just one day uh, that typically in other countries. It takes a few days of preparation and then one day full of fun. Uh, and it splits between uh, girls and guys. So, so guys would go out a few days before and now uh, they need to get fresh uh, willow tree uh, to, to create their own whips. And that's like a whole tradition that they would go together. Yes, they would cut the tree and, and they are they are making these whips. And it needs to stay like for a day or two in water. So, so it's easier than to create the whip. Then you, you do it together. And in the meanwhile, uh, girls are preparing uh, nice eggs. So, so they would do like own homemade Easter eggs. They would draw some pictures on it. 
they would bake cakes uh, and uh, some other good uh, food and meal. So everyone gets ready. And then on the Easter day, uh, the tradition is, uh, depending on area in Slovakia, that you will wear uh, special clothes. So so based on those clothes, you know, from which area uh, are those people. Uh, Typically, it happens in villages in the the middle or or eastern part of Slovakia. And on the west side in cities, they are just taking suits or or something a little bit more formal. Uh, You come to to those homes of uh, girls and you will first splash water on them Uh, and and there is a reason for it uh, which is uh, we want to make our women stronger uh, over time so that's to make them stronger and then you will gently hit them uh, with the whip and this is to make them healthy over time Uh, and then at the end uh, you will use perfume uh, to make them smell nice Uh, and, and, and all ladies will give us gifts for, for, for what we did to them, uh, like helping them be healthy and stronger over time. Uh, and these gifts are these homemade uh, Easter eggs, uh, typically some cake, um, or uh, they will even give you some, some alcohol uh, to try with them. Uh, and, and in the modern times, they're also giving out money. Uh, so kids enjoy it really because they, the, the more homes they will go to, the more Wait a money second. they can Wait a second. So you're saying that, let me just make sure I've got this right. So the men come to the house, the women have prepared, the men have prepared soft willow whips, and they come splash buckets of water on the women, whip them gently with these willow whips, and then the women, oh, and then put perfume on them. And then the women give them gifts and money? Yes, yes. I never want to enjoy it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So when does this start? How early does this tradition start for young people? Really early age. Like like you would see even two years old uh, guys with small webs trying to run with their fathers and uh, and even young ladies uh, expecting their, their guests. <laughs> and do they go throughout the neighborhood? Like, is it throughout the neighborhood or is it just their family members? How does that work? So, so- it really depends. Like we are usually going mainly uh, to our neighbors and, uh, and, and and close family members. But then you would see like uh, there are some guys that are making almost a business from it. So they would go from door to door <laughs> <laughs> because they enjoy the process and then they're earning some money. <laughs> oh my gosh. So how much on average can you make on Easter as a man whipping women? <laughs> 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 so, so when I was younger and I was really into it, I remember that I could do like 50 to 100 euros per day, which was amazing because uh, at that point, the average salary was in Slovakia, like 1,000. Uh, so, so if you can do 100 in a day, it's kind of good. Oh my gosh. Wow. And it seems, I watched a video on this. It seems like it's a really good time. Like it's all done in fun and game. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh and, and there are, so, so there are women who enjoy it less. Like, like, for example, my mom, she doesn't like the water splash. So she always makes it clear that don't try to splash any water on me because there will be no money, no, no chocolate. <laughs> she makes it very clear that is her position on the water. Yes, and, and we always respect it. But, but then with the younger ladies, even though if they want or not, like uh, there will be some water. And, and if you do not have a bucket, then every home has a shower. So, so sometimes we'll just just get them in the shower and so after the women are done being taught water tossed on them and whipped do they go change and then like the festivities start is that kind of how it goes 
Yes, yes, yes. But sometimes it's like they change three or four times a day because <laughs> there would be another group of guys coming in. Uh, so, so, so they just need to get ready. That uh, and it's it's typically starting in the morning, like from eight, and uh, and there is this um, uh, silent rule that you can do it only until twelve. And at 12, it's a noon time, so everyone has to get the lunch and, and, and then the festivity starts. But uh, it's like the, the whole uh, ceremony is sometimes between 8 to 12. And this is only in Slovakia or have you, is this known to be done in other Eastern European countries? So, so there is some version of it in different countries. So for example, in Czech Republic, they do mainly the water. Uh, not uh, the, the whipping part. I think in Poland, uh, depending on the area, somewhere it's more about water, somewhere, somewhere it's more about the gentle whip. Uh, so. <laughs> oh my gosh, the gentle whip. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Keep going, I'm sorry. And that's it. That, that, that's what we do. <laughs> so one last question for you. You have a daughter. Do you plan on continuing this tradition with your family? That that's a difficult one. Uh, when we are in Slovakia, we are definitely we are definitely continuing in it. Uh, I'm not sure if we will try it in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not. You can imagine your neighbors across the street. <laughs> They'll be like, "What is going on over there?" <laughs> imagine I would come knock on the door with a bucket of water. <laughs> oh, people would be so confused. Oh my gosh, they would like call the police on you. Oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> Okay, I'll stop there. I'll stop there. You're the best, Miso. Thank you so much. Okay, so I have to say that when Misho and his wife first shared this tradition with me and my husband in person, I was so shocked and blown away by it that we were all laughing about how we could never picture this going down in the United States. I had to see a video of what it looks like for me to wrap my head around the idea that no one was getting hurt and that people seemed to be having a good time. Words just don't explain this tradition as well as a video, so I have linked that video to you in the show notes. And since talking with Misho, I have learned that this tradition is popular in parts of Western Ukraine, Czech Republic, Hungary, and Poland, and it's sometimes called Wet Monday because it's sometimes done the day after Easter. The whipping is a little less common. The water is more popular and it can turn into a giant water fight in some cities. And it's most popular in rural areas, a little less popular in the cities, and it isn't practiced by everybody. I read a few articles written by women so I could get a female perspective, and some women wrote that they found the tradition fun and enjoyable, and some women wrote that they would hide to avoid getting soaked, and others talked about how it got annoying to have to change multiple times a day, but then once they moved away for work or whatever, that they missed the nostalgia of those traditions. So different perspectives from different women, but unanimously it does seem like the men of these countries really love it and in some areas it is a treasured tradition well i feel like i say this every time but we have barely scratched the surface and we've reached the end of the episode i find it so fascinating to learn how different countries do things and how much fun they have in their unique traditions and i hope that this episode gives us a little insight into easter in parts of europe both the highly religious and the less religious sides, and helps us to understand some of the symbolism behind the traditions. 
Extra thanks to my friends Whitley and Dallin and Emily for help with insights and pronunciation and Michaud and Mirka for their contributions to this episode. Check out my show notes for some great links to videos and articles to take a deeper dive into some of the traditions we've talked about. And if you're interested in other European countries, I encourage you to go look those up. Their traditions are fascinating. If you're celebrating Easter this year, I hope you have a wonderful one. And till next time, let's go make the world a little wiser. 